Hello, world. This is a brand new podcast coming to you over the airways, into your house, into your car, into your... What else would they hear this? I don't think it's actually over the air. That would be radio. So this is streaming into their devices, wherever they would take? Yes. Okay, fair enough. It's called Smart Drivel. And if you can't figure that out already by the first 30 seconds, then we feel sorry for you. This is an ongoing podcast adventure. What we want to do is tell you a little bit about what we're about to set out to do. We call it the definitive podcast for ambiguous topics. In this weekly podcast, join us, Kurt Schneider and John Ellenthal, as we probe the wonders of, well, well, we don't really probe anything or answer any burning questions or get to the bottom of anything. It's kind of like just two guys on a mic exploring different topics week in and week out. No rhyme or reason, just because. So here we are. I think it's very important that you know off the top that that was Kurt and I'm John. (laughs) And just a little bit about the name Smart Drivel. The drivel part we will have no problem delivering on the promise of. The smart part will be the aspirational part of our promise. So it will be drivel. We hope that it's smart and we hope that you enjoy Smart Drivel. So give us a few minutes of your time. Laugh, get intrigued, throw plates metaphorically at us and sit back. What's the subject matter for today? Well, Which is either, sorry, I just want to point out one last thing before we dive in. This is either a test podcast, a practice one, or a pilot one. The answer will be determined by how good it comes out, and you'll help us answer that question. All right, so Kurt, kick us off. Well, here's the thinking today. I was thinking about this this morning. This weekend, we were invited to a dinner party, and we were told to bring dessert. You know how you have to bring something in a potluck type thing. And I was driving back home that afternoon trying to figure out what to get. And I passed by this pie store. And I love pie. And I went in there and there was pies and all kinds. Now, these are sweet pies, not savory pies. But it got me thinking, what's the history of pie? And then I started thinking, is it pie, P-I, the mathematical equation, or pie with an E, which would be either a meat pie or a fruit pie? So I thought today, why don't we delve into the world of pies? What do you think, John? That certainly delivers on the promise of drivel, sure. I'm just intrigued that you were told to bring dessert, and you thought about it for a while, and then you came up with the revolutionary idea of a pie. Yes. How long did it take you to actually go from dessert to pie? Well, I'm not sure that pie is in vogue right now. I mean, I think there's all these other things. Remember when profiteroles were big? What was that, in the 80s? Everyone had that profiterole. All right, so pies are not something that... Good thing we don't need to. Pies are not something that come in and out of vogue. They're a staple. They're a quintessential American dessert. They don't actually go through those kinds of cycles. Actually, they did. And with World War II and (laughs) women going to work and all the army and servicemen overseas, women could not stay home and bake pies the way they used to. So they went out of vogue. Right. However... After World War II, the 50s, all of a sudden when you had the frozen TV dinner, you came out with Cool Whip, Jell-O, Jell-O pudding, etc., and ready-made crust. So they came back in because it was simpler to do. So World War II was in the 1940s when gender roles were a little bit more, I don't know if the word is traditional or defined. But now that almost 80 years have passed and anybody can do whatever they want regardless of gender. Yes. What has contributed to the ups and downs of pie's popularity since World War II? Let me take you back farther. Let me take you back 2000 BC. (laughs) 
to ancient Sumer in Mesopotamia. They found a... Mesopotamia. Yes. They found a chicken pie recipe written on a tablet in 2000 B.C., and the ancient Egyptians, the Greeks, and the Romans were all into pies. Now, just hold that thought for a second, because if you look at pie, P-I, not P-I-E, that also goes back almost 4,000 years to 2000 B.C., when the Is ancient Babylonians... or were they actually invented at the same time? That's what I'm thinking. That's what I want to get at. So you think there might be a relationship between pies, either sweet or savory, the yes. invention of pies, and the mathematical formula of pi, you think there might be a relationship, not just coincidental timing. Correct. Because the mathematical equation has no end and no pattern. The ability to cook a pie and put anything you want in it has no end. Okay. So that may be something they have in common if you stretch and stretch and stretch. But what about that comment suggests that the invention of one is related to the invention of the other? Okay. You don't think after... Oh, let's go with Archimedes in 200 and so, 300 BC, right? 200 BC. And he's sitting around in ancient Greece trying to measure and come up with pi. And he's going out as many numbers as he can, and he's trying to measure circles. There's no computers. There's no, I don't even know if Pythagorean had come up with his theorem yet. So you don't think there were computers in 2000 BC? I know it's a stretch. Wow. Yeah. Abacus, maybe. And so he's sitting around doing this thing. What's the plural of abacus? Abacai, I'm guessing. I would think so. I would guess as well. And he had to foci on what he was doing because he had more than one person working on it. Is it foci or foci? Depends where you're in the north or south. But you use it as a verb. He had to foci on it. But I think foci or foci is multiple focal points. You could probably get... Which is a noun. You could get in trouble saying that these days. I think you want to elocute very carefully, Sure. Elocute. Well done. Well, my last name is Ellenthal, so it it was a natural extension of thinking about my own name. So you got Archimedes sitting around. Right. And he's trying to figure out pi, which, by the way, as I said, the ancient Egyptians, too. He's getting hungry. Oh, God. You're going to create it. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So. Do you know, here's an interesting fact. Okay. In medieval times, pies were mostly meat pies. Yeah. At what point did pies become a dessert thing? Queen Elizabeth I. Okay, so that was what, the early 1900s? 1590. Okay, I had the nine part. Yeah, you were a little (laughs) off with a couple centuries. You know what? I guess there was a gap between Elizabeth's. Yes. The Elizabethan gap. Quite a big gap. There's a multi-century Elizabethan gap in the monarchy in Britain. Cherry pie. Okay. That's what she was given. She was given cherry pie by some enterprising soul who said, let's not stick meat and stuff in here, but let's put sweet stuff and let's call it a dessert. And I'll give it to the queen. So I like that version of pie a lot better than the savory pie, despite the fact that I have fond memories of my childhood eating chicken pot pie, probably Swanson chicken pot pie. Now that I know more about what kind of meat parts end up in pies, I'm probably less excited about that memory. But Especially in medieval times, because they threw everything in there, whatever they wanted to. In fact, birds were a big ingredient back then. Ingredient in what? In pies. Oh, okay. And do you know that's where we get the expression, eating crow? Because um, they put crows in pies a lot. 
were crows considered a specialty meat or more at the other end of the economic spectrum? Songbirds were specialty meat and they were protected. Crows, I think they just threw them in. Right, sort of like the pigeon of whenever that they was. They threw pigeons in as well, yes. And crow's feet. All right, well, so I did not know the etymology of eating crow, but I do like etymology, particularly of expressions. So let's go back to pie. If we have to, okay. Without, Without any, okay. Yeah. The By the way, pie. you're going to find this hysterical because I did a little research on this. So pie day is what day? National March pie 14th. Day. Of course, March 14th. Whose birthday is it? Einstein's. Einstein's birthday. Wow, you know this stuff. So 3.14 is National Pie Day. Yes, it is. The American Pie with an E company, corporation or whatever foundation, has co-opted that day, and they call it National Pie Perens E Day. Well, that's unnatural. You think they've co-opted it. So now you have a conflation, finally, not at the origin, not, at the, not at the invention of the two, but there's been a coalescence on account of the fact that they're, what, homonyms or homophones? Are homonyms and homophones different things? Well, one, doesn't Bob Dylan play one really well? That's troll. That's troll. <laughs> So we haven't discussed a song that is probably one of the top 10 most significant American songs, that, of course, being American Pie. Yeah. What is your take on American Pie? On the song itself? Sure. Well, first of all, I think it's overplayed these days. These days? Yes. When do you think it was first recorded? 1968? Yeah, I would think late 60s, very early 70s. If I had a guess, I would say very early 70s if I had to decide. But that's almost 50 years ago, and you think it's overplayed these days. What do you attribute that to? I haven't Satellite, radio. So there's a lot, there are a lot streaming more. Streaming services. Okay, Spotify, but, Apple, iTunes. So our ability to control the music we hear much more so than we did when they were just radios and albums, you think has led to an overexposure of American pie, despite the fact that since the early 70s, there are probably orders of magnitude more songs yes. than there were back then. A lot of people don't even know what that song's about. Let's get to that in a minute. I'm still struggling with this overexposure argument. I haven't noticed that. What stations do you listen to? Well... The Don McLean channel? <laughs> yes, and if I hear Vincent one more time, I'm going to be looking right, for so cyanide. Here's a question. Do you yes. think anybody can name three... Don McLean songs. I just named two. That's my point. There is another one out there. Okay, what do you got? I said Vincent. That's two. And I think American most pie. people get stuck there. Yeah. For those who don't get stuck after American Pie. But Vincent is a pretty song. I like it too. But I couldn't name a third. I had a Don McLean album in college. Was there more than one? Don? It was a cassette tape that someone put together for me. His um, Greatest Hits. And yeah. Cat Stevens was the other side. Greatest what was hits. Cat Stevens' birth name? Some people would say it's Stephen Katz. I'm sorry, what's his current name I meant to ask? It is Yasufa. Let's call it the neighborhood play and say, okay, close enough. So I have two vivid memories, one for Don McLean and one for Cat Stevens. The Don McLean, so American Pie may have been among the very first, if not the first album that I ever went to the record store and bought for myself. So I was probably... Not the 45, the whole album. The whole album... So let's say it was the early 70s, like 71, 72, 73. So I would have been, we were both born in 65, so we would have been six, seven, eight years old. I remember the album, because I remember the art on the album cover, it was a thumb painted with elements of the American flag. Yes, very cool. I thought that was cool. And I remembered it for all these years, so 
kudos to whomever designed the album cover. And secondly, when it comes to Cat Stevens was, I read Death Be Not Proud, probably in the late 70s or thereabouts, which is a really wrenching story written by a father who lost his son to brain cancer. The son was in his early teens. I remember that book. I think it was the kind of thing that they made us read at school. But I read it with Cat Stevens music in the background. So now you associate every time. To this day, if a Cat Stevens song comes on, I will go straight back to reading Death Be Not Proud, John Gunther. And my Cat Stevens, I was living in Tokyo in the early 70s. Were you? Yep. And at my school I went to, Nishimashi International School, in 1972, every morning, we had to all get up and sing, Morning Has Broken. Really? Every friggin' morning. So do you still know all the words? I do, and I actually have blocked out most of them. All right, so that's interesting. So we were made to memorize things as kids because someone thought that memory was a good way to teach people things back then and probably still to this day. What else can you remember from school or your childhood that you were forced to memorize and still know verbatim to this day? Well, from my growing up Catholic days, the Nicene Creed, I still know. All right. But from school, what do you have? Uh, I think in the fifth grade, we were required to memorize the preamble to the Constitution and perform it. And you still know it? I haven't tested myself in a long time, but I know it starts with the people (laughs) in order for a more perfect union. Establish justice and ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, do ordain and establish this constitution for the United States of America. Morning has broken. I don't know if I was correct, but that's what came out of my head just now. No one will know otherwise. You know what? Have you ever taken a really good look at the constitution? Up close, like in the Constitution Museum? Sure. Or a copy. Yes. Yeah. So at the top it says the Constitution of the United States of America or something to that effect. There's something unbelievably cool about how that is written that I only noticed a few years ago when a friend pointed it out to me. And what was so interesting is the words that are capitalized and the words that are not capitalized in that title of the document. You got me. So States of America are capitalized. United is not. It was not part of the name. It was an adjective, which is really interesting because it reflects the fact that states' rights were really a big deal and everyone wasn't all excited, especially if you came from one of the larger states, about turning over power to a federal government. So we live in a republic and the actual name of the country back when that document was written is the States of America. And if you read the balance of the document, if you're in the body of the document, you will see additional references to the United States of America. And in each case, the U in United is not capitalized. I did not know that. You might want to get yourself a pie. And, and your choice, whether it's a savory... And sit down and read the Constitution. Just give it a look, because I think that's pretty interesting. And when we're all learning about the Constitution, I don't recall ever either being told that or noticing that. It was really just a few years ago. That's pretty cool. I think that's fascinating. I did not know that. But getting back to Don McLean, okay. do you know what the song American Pie is about? It's the day the music died is when Buddy Holly and the Big Bopper went down. And Richie Valens. And Richie Valens when they crashed, and which is a very sad thing. In Iowa. But it is chock full of 
references to things that were going on in the world at that point. And so when you're in college, as I was my freshman year, and you stay awake till four in the morning trying to decipher what each means, yeah. you know every word of that song now. So, okay, so what can you remember as some of the more interesting allusions that are in that song? Helter Skelter. Okay. Well, that was a reference to Manson? To the Beatles song, I think. And Manson was a reference to the Beatles song, too. Okay. We know that when the king, which is Elvis Presley, was looking down the jester... Who Bob Dylan. ...stole his thorny crown. Yeah. In a coat he borrowed from James Dean and a voice that came from you and me. Right. I know that February made me shiver... And even though it's not February, it is really cold today. So what are some other more interesting references in that song? Three Miles High and Falling Fast, The Birds. The Birds, right. Yeah. You had Mamas and Papas because there was something about California in there. I remember going through all of them. Yeah. And we they, didn't have that. This is a good use of the internet. I've actually gone and looked at it, too. The Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, who were they? Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Okay, I have a different one than that, but I might be confusing that with the other song about... Martin Luther King and Bobby Kennedy and John Kennedy. That's Dion. But that's a different song. But I think I've seen references to them being, and that was right after. I mean, because if the song was written in the early 70s, I mean, King was assassinated in 68 or 9. April 4th, 1968, Memphis, Tennessee. Right, at the Lorraine Motel. You know, I lived in Memphis for almost five years, and... I'm embarrassed both that I had to go to Graceland as often as I did because of -of out-of-town visitors, and I'm also embarrassed that I did not go to the Civil Rights Museum, which is on the property of the former Lorraine Motel. And I don't know why I didn't go, but that seems like a really bad lost opportunity. So when was Bobby Kennedy shot? That was 68 as well. 68? Yeah, that summer. Right. And then, of course, JFK was 63. So it could have... I guess the point is, chronologically at least, even if I'm wrong, chronologically it's viable that... I think you're thinking about the Dion song. I know there's that song, but we're going to have to look this up. So now we have to get back to pie. We are talking about pie. We're talking about Bye Bye Miss American Pie. Uh-huh. Drove my Chevy to the levee. So why is pie in the song? Well, I think your premise was that the word pie really reflects a lot of things, not just dessert. Which is why... It can be associated with P.I. because pi has no end. Well, the mathematical look, if, if, you, if you eat a pie that's a circle. But the idea of pie being this thing, American is apple pie. becomes. Well, I think fa- that's why it's called American pie. In fact, the New York Times, I found this today in 1902, said that apple pie became, quote, bound up in American mythology to the point that in 1902, the New York Times asserted that, quote, Pie is the food of the heroic and stated that, quote, no pie-eating people can ever be permanently vanquished. Okay, the New York Times declared that. Yeah, so it's got some gravitas to it. Okay, so that doesn't seem like it was a reference to dessert, was it? Well, it was apple pie. Oh, because that's certainly a dessert. Pie is the food of the heroic, yes, and they're talking about apple pie being American, but... Pie and pie. But do you have any information there about how the apple pie became symbolic of Americana? When the colonists came over, Uh they cooked pies because pie was something that stayed for a while. They didn't have brick ovens, which was hard to do stuff. Meat pie kind of pies. Yeah, and it would be a way of preserving stuff. Obviously, no Sub-Zeros back then. There was no computers in ancient Greece and no Sub-Zeros in You are technological. (laughs) I'm just so proud how quickly you are getting up the learning curve. 
And so they looked for regional things to put into their pies, hence pumpkin pie, because there was a lot of them around. And well, that apples. was a good one. And then apples came because there was tons of apples. Then you had the Dutch apple pie Mm -hmm. because in Pennsylvania, so there are regional varieties. Of course, there's a southern scooter pie we all grew up on that we had in that. And Eskimo pies. Oh, yeah. Moon pies. I love scooter pie and moon pie. You know, if you go to check out Colgate University as a prospective student and you take their tour, at the end of the tour, regardless of how cold it is outside, they give everybody who took the tour who wants one an Eskimo pie. Why? I don't know, but I will tell you that I took one and I think it was the first week of February and it's not height of the Eskimo pie season. But how was it? Unless you're an Eskimo. It was good. I don't remember the pie all that much as much as I remember that that was sort of their signature punctuation mark on the... It must have been invented by a Colgate alum. That's plausible. Of course, Colgate was from the people who... Invented Colgate. Yeah, the toothpaste. Yeah, there's a relationship. I think they were an early funder. And there's a relationship between Yale and Frisbees, because the Frisbee Pie Company was based in New Haven. You said pies, right? I did. The Frisbee Pie Company was based in New Haven. And in the 1950s, late 40s, 50s, some Yale students, it was a nice spring day, had just finished a pie from the Frisbee Pie Company, and they started throwing around the metal pie yeah. plate or whatever that came oh. in. Hence, the Frisbee was invented. I didn't know that. And that's why it's called the Frisbee. I did not. Well, that doesn't say why it's called the Frisbee, just because they were thrown in around. Oh, it's the Frisbee. Pie company. I guess company. I need to listen to all of your words. Yes, <laughs> it would help. All right. So, you know what? I don't know that the dessert pie has fallen out of vogue in the same way that you think. So perhaps we're having different experiences as we live in what are possibly parallel universes. But the use of the word pie that I think has fallen out of favor is in reference to a pizza pie. So it was fairly common when I was growing up, if someone you know, were to order pizza or go out for pizza, they would order a pie. And maybe that's just sort of a New York thing. I, I don't think know. they still do. Well, I think they still do, but not nearly at the same level. I actually heard a colleague ordering pizza to pick up on his way home one evening. And he called and said, I'd like to order a pie. And I have not heard a standalone reference to a pizza as a pie in years. I have a thought why. Okay, please. With the rise of gourmet pizza and gourmet toppings and different ways to look at it and people with lactose intolerance or vegans or this or that, it's hard to get a unanimous thought about a whole pie. So people are ordering slices more and they're more individual. Our whole societies become individual. By the way, our whole societies become disposable too. You just throw stuff okay. away. All right. So you have just opened up about 11 windows and you have argued that the reason we don't refer to the pie as a whole, even though we still refer to it as a pizza as a whole, is the need for... Individualism. People need to prove their own worth in society. There's no, there's no there's way a, to get together I anymore, think right? there's an excellent Come together that, right now over a pie. People don't do that anymore. Okay, but I don't think that has anything to do with how we refer to the thing that we are getting together to eat together. All that being said, if anyone is to listen to this podcast, I'm pretty sure that their faces look a lot more like my face uh, in response to that comment than your face. Oh, so they're agreeing to what I'm saying. No, I think my face is one of surprise. Well, I think, therefore, we should wrap this up today. Hang on. We can't wrap this up until we share what our own favorite pie of all time is. You go first. I will not. Without a doubt, mine is key lime pie. And every time I get one, 
to my wife's unfortunate frustration, I ask, is it limey enough? Because I want a key lime like pie that's tart? limey. I do not like it sweet. Yeah, tart. I do love key lime pie. When I was a kid, I liked lemon meringue pie. Yeah, very similar. And I remember watching Gilligan's Island over and over and over through most of my youth. And you know that there are only like 63 episodes of that ever made? So it's like on the three season. We've seen all of them probably five or ten times. But Gilligan's favorite pie was coconut cream pie. Of course. I don't like coconut at all, though. Not even a little bit. So my favorite pie, so if I'm being executed at midnight and I'm able to specify my last meal on earth, I think I would go with blueberry pie. Really? The Why sweet is that so blue, Well, the sweet blueberries from September or the tart ones from June? I don't know what you're talking about. And I think there's a decent chance you just made that up. <laughs> well, I think one way to wrap up this whole thing is... Do you know that a Guinness record was set this year for calculating pi out to its furthest number? I did not know, but it's sort of an infinite thing. So, And so someone has just gotten it to over 31 trillion digits. And it's still no end, but that's the farthest it's ever gone. And when she set the world record in Tokyo, she went back to her office with her colleagues and guess what they did to celebrate? Extended the number even further while eating pie. They ate what pie. What kind? I don't know, but they ate pie. Perhaps you could find out what kind of pie they had and then tell nobody. <laughs> we thank you for listening. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed yourself. And I think this discussion started out and ended up about pie. What happened in the middle? The filling? No idea. But it was... Drivel. I'm not sure if it was smart drivel, but we'll say smart drivel. We'll see you later. Thank you very much. <laughs>